your backup plan, tribe. I got it working. That's all that matters, right? All that matters. You're here. I'm here. It's all good. It's all good. If you are new here to your backup plan tribe to our channel today, welcome to Talking Taboo with Tina. Wow, if I say that any faster, it's going to sound like we were in grade two again. Um, it's brought to you by your backup plan app. Of course, if you are a returning subscriber, thank you for watching our shows. My name is Tina Ginn. I am an emergency preparedness coach, a best-selling author of in the blink of an eye, yes, in the blink of an eye, that fast, just like Jeannie. That's how fast things happen. Um, a best-selling author of the blink in the eye, a financial expert, and an app developer of your backup plan app. And I'm located here in beautiful Vancouver, BC, Canada. I'd like to welcome my United States listeners, of course, our Canadian listeners to our broadcast, and our German and Ireland and Sweden are up for competition. Yes, which one is going to win? Our German listeners right now are coming up to the third listening community. Meine deutsche Freunde sind in unserem Podcast willkommen. Wenn Sie Kommentare haben, können Sie gern Fragen stellen. Also danke für deine Freundschaft. So thank you, my German listeners. My Irish accent, see, I can't even say it. Irish accent hasn't even, I haven't gotten that far yet, but I am working on it. So stay tuned because it's coming to you very soon. Very, very soon. And Swedish, too. I want to welcome my Swedish listeners, and I will work on my Swedish language for y'all. Okay, so let's get down to business. Um, let's get this party started. Today you are here for a reason. If something resonates, obviously it was meant for you to hear this, because we're going to talk about being present with the dying. And we have a very special guest today, Linda Bryce, and she comes to us from beautiful, beautiful Massachusetts, United States. So let me tell you about all the other fun things that we talk about here on our podcast. We focus on real and raw conversations with our listeners about their journey from a life-changing event in their life. Uh, so join us as we dive headfirst into your backup plan app and what it all means. Your backup plan app puts your life, yes, your life, all in one place. Everything that's up into your head that no one else knows about, yeah, all that stuff. In case of any unpredictable circumstance while taking the painful aftermath out of a tragedy. And what does that mean? It means to be prepared for the unexpected because we are all going to die, get sick, we're going to get disabled or injured or lose everything in a disaster or a tragedy. So be prepared for the unexpected because it won't happen to me is an illusion because you are not Superman. We all live complicated lives and we really need to be better prepared. Just like the pandemic, COVID-19 taught us all a very big lesson that it can happen to you in the blink of an eye. The recent building that collapsed in Miami, Florida, it can happen in the blink of an eye. Did everyone see that building come down in the blink of an eye? Yes. Wildfires are happening all over the world, especially here in British Columbia with the heat wave that we've had. We have five-minute evacuations. What will you take with you? Those were all things that your backup plan prepares you for. So the first is that I wanted to remind you all that we are always to provide the show notes of each of our episodes in our blog. So if you're interested in learning more about any of our guests, um, then check out our YouTube channel or see our show notes in this week's episode in our blog. You'll also find social media links uh, for all of our guests and you can continue to follow their journeys. The next thing I wanted to remind you is to be sure 
be, I can't talk, to be sure and subscribe, too many S's, to the show so you don't miss any future episodes. Right down here in the corner, press the subscribe button and like the like the show as well. And while you're at it, um, some fun things that we have planned that are coming around the corner uh, are please rate and review the show uh, on iTunes and Google Play uh, for when you're listening to the podcast. We are starting a fantastic giveaway and these are just so much fun. We're going to keep choosing our top reviewers to receive some really cool Your Backup Plan Tribe life merchandise. So when you leave a star rating, between one and five stars, here's what's going to happen. So when you leave a wonderful comment, a rating or review, or what you think of the show, or what you share to others, or your five-star review on our podcast or episode, we will uh, draw a person every single month and make sure that we mail you some cool merchandise for those winners. I don't want you to miss out on the opportunity to give you some really cool stuff because it shows that we know that the prize is going to be super good to you that uh, love us and love our show. And we want to thank you for doing that. So, Today, okay, now that we've gotten all this sort of business out of the way, um, let's get back to talking about our subject today. All right, Talking Taboo with Tina podcast listeners. I'm so excited for our special guest today. Her name is Linda Bryce, and I'm going to bring her on today from beautiful Massachusetts. There hello, she is. Tina, and hello to all of those out there in viewing land. <laughs> <laughs> yes, isn't that the truth? It is a viewing land. So thank you from Massachusetts for joining us today, Linda. Uh, I'm just going to give a brief introduction for our listeners. So Linda is an amazing, amazing person. She is a former attorney, an artist, a university faculty. She is a death doula and a bedside singer. She, uh, let's see here, while my, she says, while my experience is vast and colorful, it has led to hundreds of bedsides and the passionate work I do now to serve the dying and those who love them. And I'm so excited today, Linda, because I talk about being present to people, our listeners, all the time, because you can never get that time back again once it's gone it's gone. So we need to be really considerate about those times, those precious moments that we are given by the universe to spend that special time with others, the ones that we love and care about so much. And I know that you have quite the story. You've, it's brought you to where you are today. So maybe you could start off with where did it all start for you, Linda? I've always been about music. And what came into my head immediately was the lyric from, and I don't know whose song it is, but it's been a long and winding road. My oldest daughter turns 39 in a couple of months. And when she was beginning to walk, I remember walking into a nursing home and asking, do you have anyone here who gets no visitors? We would like to visit. It's like, where did that come from? Although I was raised more by my grandparents than my parents for lots of um, reasons. Uh, and so I spent my growing up years around old folks. You know, one of one of the exercises I, I suggest to people is that just because my experience and sort of my tendency, if you will, is to spend time with elders who are sick or dying, that you may be drawn to a different group of people, maybe for children, you know? So um, the years go by, I'm a lawyer, I'm working in health law, 
I worked on legislation for nursing homes to change uh, the conditions or change the standards. Uh, as a college student, I helped the local medical school create a local neighborhood health clinic. You know, and, and I, even myself, I didn't begin to piece all these things together. But a number of months ago, I was taking a walk with someone who was new to me. We we're getting used to each other. And she says, so what have you done in health, Linda? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Meaning before what I do now. And I started seeing this thread. And there's, I'm sure there are threads in each of our lives, in each of your lives. Threads that when you, when you begin to pay attention and look back, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, this happened. And, oh, yes, that happened. And, and then, and then um, where I lived at the time and my children were growing up, I worked with two other churches. There were, there were three churches on three corners. And representatives from each of the churches came together and we created a, uh, an adult care center. So for families who had a person who needed, who could, who could use some socialization outside of the home and give the caregivers a break, right? And then we put together the funding for it and the staffing and all like that. So it's like, hmm, okay. So fast forward though, to what brings me to where I am now is then six years ago, my husband died. And of course I was, I was there, you know, in, in his last hospital stay and however long that unfolded. Um, and you, and it would have been helpful to have your backup plan this is the messiness, folks, when you don't get it together ahead of time. There is a saying that I've read about and heard about. It's always too soon until it's too late, right? We always have excuses. Oh, it's too soon. It's too soon. I'm healthy. There, there are no problems. It's too soon. You know, I'm, I'm young. It's too soon. And then as you're saying something, unexpected happens. And then what? Yeah. Um, and then after, um, after he died, maybe six months later, my aunt, and I'm very close to those cousins and that aunt. And I didn't even ask. I said, I'm coming to Maine. <laughs> Gonna fix it. I'll fix That's it. it. I, well, no, no. Let's be careful, please. We don't <laughs> fix. Well, no, because that's, isn't that an issue for us um, when we're fully present? We want to fix. We yeah. want to help, but we think helping is fixing. Oh, I'm going to give yeah. you advice. Oh, oh, my, my person that I know used this other treatment. Um. Are, are you sure the doctors are, and all you're doing is heaping on <sighs> more, more burden and stress and, oh my gosh, you know, and, and, and we're taking the focus off of the person who should be the focus of our presence. Not only that, you're causing the stress amongst everyone else that might be around as well. That's right. So I was I was with her and and you know supporting her, supporting my my cousins. In hindsight, because so two th two things happened with my aunt. Then one is, um, not knowing what a death doula was not even having heard that terminology. Now looking back, now that I have a certificate 
as an end-of-life doula. I was doing those kinds of things for her and with my cousins. And the other was, on the night that would be her last, and she's restless, and it's, of course, the middle of the night, and I'm reading from her Bible, and as a Catholic, she uh, always said the rosary, so I was doing that, and then I started singing. It was a natural impulse because singing has been a part of my life. And I began singing, singing songs from her tradition and just, I don't know, singing. It would help her feel at peace. Oh, oh, sure. We, We can, I hope we get to, to talk about bedside singing in its own little nugget because there's there's so much there um, but to get to where I am now then is two months three months after I returned there was an ad in our local paper and they were looking for singers for a new choir to sing at the bedside of the dying Oh, I'm in. (laughs) Uh, And that's how then what is now called Berkshire Threshold Choir uh, was created. Is that new? Is that a new thing? Well, it was new. It was new in 2016. Yes. And I was one of the original members. Uh, I then also went through hospice training and... sing for persons who are referred by hospice, only not only those who are on hospice. Uh, and I also am separate from singing what's called a vigil volunteer. So when someone now is very close to the end, um, and we sit vigil, right? Don't we say that? We're, we're here and and... If, if family is around or friends are around, if they're able to do that, if they're willing to do that, we can have a discussion about that. You know, what does it mean to be fully present and what are some of the obstacles or barriers to people being there? Um, but you're there around the clock. You're sitting vigil until the last breath. And so I go and I sing and I sit in silence. Um, And I find myself here today <laughs> because, because what I do, and this is another thread throughout my entire teaching and education and, and sharing life, what I do, every single one of us can do. And my mission is to encourage you and support you and show you how you can be there and why it really is best if you can be. And we forgot to mention your book, Linda, The Courage to Care. Being Fully Present with the Dying is the subtitle, yes, yes. So what would that look like for you after gone through your husband's passing and your aunt? What does that look like? for you to tell the listeners what being present, what singing is for the people that you're with at the moment? What does that picture look like? Okay, so if we if we focus for a moment on the singing, I receive a referral from hospice. They say, Mary would like you to come and sing or Mary's family would like you to come and sing. I should also say that being fully present with the dying, but remember dying, I mean, I'm dying. 
from the moment we're born, we're dying, right? So if in your mind, when you hear the word dying, you are visualizing someone on their deathbed, well, yes, but most often, no. These are individuals who are still alert, maybe still ambulatory. Now, we had a young man say, I'm okay, I'm still alive, give me Elvis. You know, none of this, none of this soothing, consoling end of life shtick. I mean, <laughs> he wanted a whole different kind of music. Um, but yes, but then it means, and on the first visit, the first visit, it's, hello, I'm Linda, and I'm here to share some music with you and to sing some songs. Would that be all right with you? Oh, yes. Okay. Now, as a threshold singer, we have our own repertoire. Over 500 songs, many of which were written by other singers. And a sidebar, really fun story, is that soon after I began singing at bedside, I received my first song. And I have to say received because it came through me, words and music. And in the years since, I might be out walking and a song would come. I might be on retreat and a song would come. I might be reading something in a book and a song would come. Some of those songs, my chapter now sings regularly at the bedside. There's always silence in between songs. about throwing the pebble in the pond and the ripples, right? That's, that's the way the vibration of our speaking and of our singing also goes out. And if you throw that pebble in and then throw another pebble in, and those two, right? They, they don't have their own space. The same happens when you sing. Or I should say the same happens, I think, I would suggest when any of us listens to music. Doesn't it bring to mind maybe some association? Or we pick up on a particular phrase or a particular word and somehow we're staying with that. Or there's a piece of the melody that really resonates with us and we stay with that melody. If when we're finished with that song, we immediately go to another one, we're interfering with the interior reception of that song. We're, we're interrupting what that listener is doing inside. So there's always silence. You now Simon and Garfunkel said the sounds of silence Right. It's own sound. Absolutely. So that helps people be more present. Have you ever been around any of the families that kind of need a check, like a check-in? You, you know, they're talking, they're too stressed around each other as well as themselves. They're not being present to allow the singing, the discussion, the nice stories, perhaps, or, or whatever the family wishes to do to talk about. I mean, it's definitely not the time to talk about where's your will and how many, you know, where are your bank accounts? Oh, I have, excuse me, I have <laughs> already been in a nursing home singing to someone when family is there. And behind me, they start talking about who's going to get the boat. And this person hasn't hasn't died yet. It's that's a great example of not being present. You know, 
if you want to hash out who's going to get the possessions, could you please leave the room? That's my strong suggestion. Please leave the room. <laughs> now, um, even individuals who are no longer speaking, who are not responsive, and you will hear and read this everywhere, that hearing is one of the last senses to leave. They can still hear. And how distressing mm -hmm. is it to be there in bed, approaching your last breath, yeah. and your family or so-called friends are discussing those kinds of matters. Exactly. Now, I will also say, and I've seen this countless times, is that once I or we, because we try and go in pairs so that there's harmony, begin singing our songs, there is a transformation in the feeling of the room and even in those family members who may have just been elsewhere. Well, I mean, let's face and, it, I'm sure. And everybody calms down. Everybody calms down. They, they, they have all come. They've yes. all come with their fears. They've all yes. come. They're nervous. Yes. They're anxious. They don't know what's going to happen next. All of That's that right. stuff. So this helps relieve that that anxiety. It, it calms them and comforts them as much as the person in the bed. Nice. Can yeah. you give us an example, a little example of one? Oh gee, um, okay. So I'm I'm being mindful of copyright on all of these songs. <clears throat> so I will I will I will choose one of my one of my one of my songs, and okay. this is um, <laughs> let me try. I knew you were going to do this without knowing you were going to do this. <clears throat> May you be at peace. Know that you are loved. May you be Thank you for the silence. <laughs> That's beautiful. I I uh, muted myself so I could really really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you, thank you, thank you so very much. You're welcome. That came from a uh, a pilgrimage in Wales. Oh really? Yes, my my 
my one one of my sons-in-law is Scottish. My husband was Irish. You were mentioning your Irish viewers and listeners. He was from County Wicklow, folks. <laughs> uh, my son-in-law was from Stirling, Scotland. His family's still over there. He's now married to my third daughter. And when they had a big celebration after they were married, had a celebration in Scotland, they wanted um, some of my daughter's family, the bride's family, to make the trip. Uh, so I said to myself, hmm, okay. And I said, all the way to Scotland for one evening. Hmm, I know. I will go back to Wales and take the pilgrimage that I had wanted to do. Because nice. Several years earlier, I had heard that they had finished their coastal walk and so forth. And once a number of years ago, my husband and I went out there for a wedding, not in Wales, a wedding in England. Um, and when he, he couldn't come, last minute work, I went, I rented a car and driving on the other side of the road, notice folks, I did not say the wrong side it's just the other side just like you would say i drive on the other side yeah. <laughs> yeah. i ended up in wales um holy well and then along anglesey island and i had always said to myself oh i need to come back here and so i put that those two together and i walked around uh, the island 130 miles on their coast to walk while I was doing that, I was visiting cemeteries, you know, these old cemeteries that who knows who goes there anymore. And I, I found myself looking at the headstones, reading them and asking questions. And, you know, I, I do that even at bedside when I'm called to sing, for example, and when it's vigil. So someone is dying now. Um, and I haven't sung to this person before. In the quiet, in the silence between songs, I'm, I'm asking, you know, oh, I wonder who you were and what your glorious life was. And what, you know, what, what might your history be? And are there people? I, so I was, I was doing that as I was walking around and this the first part the be at peace be at peace and yeah you're still remembered if no one else i'm remembering you right now you know um and you're always loved and i would i was playing with that as i was walking and that song was the result oh wow that's so cool um what are the other things that they enjoy doing after the music? Do they just like to tell stories and hold hands? And what are kind some of the kinds of things? Yeah. You know, I would say, yes, all of that. And the first part of being present is we need to be, to, the first part of being fully present is we need to be present. I hear so many individuals who, oh, I can't do that. Um, Why? I want, to, I, I, I want to remember them the way they were. That's one. Or I've been, I had, I was at a writer's conference and this woman said to me, oh, I never go see my family who are dying. I said, really? Why not? She said, because I'm guilty about not having kept in touch as often as I thought I should. And I was about to say something back to her and she turned on her heel and walked off. You know, here's, okay, so you haven't seen them in a while. Let go. Whether they're family, you know, what? 
away their family, whether they're strangers. People I sing to, they're not family. They aren't friends. They become friends. Why? Because I make a commitment to visit. I tell them that, and that's, that's part of the being present. You're saying you are worth my time. You are important. Your life was important, is important. No, you are remembered. You are respected. I mean, this is, this is how many of us, when we know there's company put on our bed, right because we want to look our best and you're seeing people who are you're seeing them in this intimate situation mm -hmm. who can only be who they are well and possibly and at their worst the yes and look the way they are but but that's so i remind people you know They're more than just this moment. I have this stop, see the whole person. You know, see the whole person. Mm -hmm. They're more than this illness. They're more than what they look like. They had, they had a wonderful life. Their spirit is still vibrant. No. Why not I know. share that? Share that connection. Absolutely. And I know when my ex-father-in-law was passing away, um, I, I couldn't stay in the room, actually. I got too hot. I was burning up. Sweat was pouring down me like I was working out. Everyone else was sitting around with jackets on. And I wanted to strip down. I couldn't stand the heat in the room. There was so much energy in that room. Thank you. Because That's I was going to say, yes. yes. As soon as I went out of the room and down the hallway, it was like, oh, my God, the air conditioner came on. Mm -hmm. And I'd walk into all these other rooms and they'd be lying in bed all by themselves. And I'd hold their hand and I'd ask them why they're here and what they were doing, if they could speak. And I talked to them, and even if they couldn't speak, I'd, I'd nod and try and just speak to them. I didn't sing. I'm not a singer, but I did talk to them. And even one lady came out of the shower, and the nurse had just basically thrown the towel on her, and she was sitting in this wheelchair practically naked. And here's they called me um, Florence Nightingale because I was going around helping all of these different people because I couldn't stay in the room. I was sweating. And then once, once um, throughout the time, I'd pop my head in and try to sit down for a while. And I'd notice him shaking his head like, no, no. And it wasn't because like people were just talking amongst each other but he was shaking his head. I really feel that he was shaking his head because they were coming to get him. Mm -hmm. They were saying, it's okay. You can come. It's safe to come. We want you. And he'd shake his head. No. So the energy was so overwhelming for me that I could have literally just fainted right there on the floor. That's how powerful it was. And um, I guess I didn't realize it um, at that time. So I would go out and that's why I'd go down the hallway and try to help others um, and then come back in. But I just want view listeners and viewers to know that there's, it's powerful. It's a powerful moment that you don't want to say no to ever. It's, it's, it's a miracle, really. It's it's absolutely a miracle. Sorry to interrupt your story. <laughs> you didn't. You didn't. You didn't. That's another aspect of being fully present. Paying attention to the energy. You know, paying attention to how how it, it's feeling different 
um, paying attention to that shaking of the head, there there are there are other books that in their entirety talk about what often happens. In fact, um, so in one book, the author Maggie Callanan calls it nearing death awareness, nearing death oh. awareness. She's given it a name. And this is an old book, I think in the 1990s. Um, but it's, it's exactly about that. And even uh, in some of the interviews I did for my book, it comes up again. I want to go back centuries, you know, so very different from today where we tend, I want to be careful with my language, different today where there are those of us who don't want to be present because we're afraid, because like this young woman, we're guilty, we're feeling guilty, but also from I've had people say, but what's correct? It's this, what's correct? I, I don't want to do the wrong thing. What's the right thing? Whatever else is going on, it keeps us away from this time, which will not come again. Centuries ago, and even not that far ago, People routinely wanted to be, wanted to be at the bedside. One, because this person was considered a community member and you honored every community member and the life they had and the connection they had and the contribution they had just by being a member of the community. So you wanted to be there and they wanted to be there because of that because they believed that as that veil thins and we're, we're passing out of this physical body and regaining our spirit nature, before, before we transition and cross over, there's this time where we're seeing people who are already there and we're getting messages and we're talking to people who are already there and they're saying, oh, yeah, I want to be here for these words of wisdom that might be coming through. Hmm. There are books that, as I mentioned, books and including a couple of in, in several of the interviews I did also. Um, the uh, surviving family talk about. Oh yeah, my dad was looking up this way, this way, this way. And I and I asked, what's going on, dad? And he says, oh, there are armies up there and they're moving. And they're, oh, okay, what's going on? Is fighting? No, they're not fighting. They're making plans. They're making plans, you know? And, and sometimes this um, nearing death awareness, you'll hear people use different language like, I have to get my ticket or um, I, I need to make sure I'm packed. You know, it's their language as well indicates that they know they're getting ready. Where they are in their journey. That's right. That's right. If we pay attention, if we are fully there, we're not checking our phones. We're not, we're not, wondering how long this is going to take or, um, you know, who's coming to dinner. I mean, whatever, whatever else is going on in their yeah. life. Just be here, just be here. Uh, and, and share this, this amazing mystical time. Absolutely. Where did you see the shift from when it's almost, if anybody watched the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, that's what I visualize, when the grandpa was dying and that kind of time frame 
where they all sat around the bedside of someone passing away. Where did that kind of shift for us when we came into the 60s or the 70s or was it after the war or? So I, I'm not sure I understand your question. Where did we shift away from being at bedside? Mm -hmm. Where did that wow. shift? It, it seems to have taken on, oh, uh, in by the mid, by the mid 1900, you know, my 1950s on since then. Um, and I would, I would suggest um, being generous about this that there are some other factors contributing to it. Mm -hmm. We're a more mobile society. You know, in one generation, my, my dad worked in the factory at this particular place and he was there until he retired. How many of us these days will spend our professional lives hmm. in one employ? It doesn't happen, and more likely, with the exigencies of economics and so forth, we move to where the work is. So yeah. we may not we may not be living where our elders are. We may not be able to go back to where our elders are. We may not be able to afford, now healthcare, I grant it is different in Canada than it is in here in the States. It's terrible here. <laughs> when, when you're old and sick, folks, and the prices. So. That contributes to it then. It contributes and, and you know, now, my mom died at home on hospice. She and my dad were living in Florida and I'm up here in, in the Northeast. Mm -hmm. I would go down and visit. I would go down and visit. I would go down and visit. And the last time I went and visited was, turned out it was maybe two weeks before, before she, she took her last breath. But I couldn't be there. I had a family and four children. Now my dad, after his stroke, I brought him up to Pennsylvania. He wanted to go there. It's like, it had a connection for him. We don't need to go into all that, but, and then eventually, because I was driving five hours each way every week, to check in on him in addition to telephoning, you know, I then, when we moved again, I moved him with, with us. Now with us didn't mean in the same house because he needed a ranch. We had stairs. I mean, you know, so, so then you get into those kind of living arrangements where can, can you, even even if your heart were there to want to have an elder live with you, is the setup one yeah. that supports that? And it wasn't. So as long as he could be, he was in his own little apartment in town, and I was always there and driving him here and there. And then when the next stage was trying to find an assisted living facility for him. What was fortunate at the end was because he was a veteran, he saw action in World War II in the Pacific. I was able to get him into a veteran's hospital and he lived on their long-term care ward. Oh, that's nice. Until he died. And, you know, he was among guys. I mean, there, women, women we, we females tend to have longer life expectancies. So when you have men 
in these assisted <laughs> living facilities and so forth, the ratio is so skewed. Uh, is that when all the men think they've died and gone to heaven with all the women around? Um, I wouldn't say that. No, no. Perhaps, perhaps an individual might, but no. Nah. You know, this, this, this way he was among, he was among guys and they had, they had that connection yeah. of being veterans. That's and lovely. Had, and had lots of visitors, um, including me. I mean, he was only 45 minutes away. So he was, he was still within, within driving and visiting distance. There are a lot of, there are, there are multiple complex reasons and situations why we can't always be with someone, yeah. even a family member at their last breath. Right. Especially during know, COVID. And, and, and yes. And when you talk about unexpected, you know, unexpected developments, not only COVID to being taking people and dying, but then also, also interfering with, with our natural traditions that help with our grieving, with mm -hmm. being there and funerals and community and memorial services and all like that. Yeah. Well, I, I want to mention to the listeners that it just, if you can be there and be present for that moment in time, you won't regret it. And it just feeds your soul. It just feeds it so far deep inside you that it might make you sad on the outside, but it's just, it's just tickety-boo on the inside. It just makes you feel so wonderful inside. I can't explain it. Some of the uh, hospice hospice workers and nursing aides that I that I interviewed for the book said that the most um, um, sort of complaint, if you will, or remark that they hear from survivors is regret. I didn't go. I wish I had gone. Even friends, you know, longtime friends. I drove my dad out from Pennsylvania out to Jersey and. And we found that um, the the wife was in the hospital, and the husband was actively dying in a, in in a nursing home. And so we went out to see him. And and you don't have to worry about what to say or what to do. Just be there. You know, my 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 dad said to me. I I said to Joe, and I talked to Joe a little bit. He was he was alert enough to be able to say weekly, Oh, Hey Al, good to see you. You know, I mean, they had known his, his wife was my mother's maid of honor. That's how long friends they were. And, and I said, you know, I'm going to let the two of you just sit here. And, and I tell this story, you know, my dad kind of looked at me like, don't leave me alone. <laughs> and I said, just, just tell them what you've been up to. Just tell them what you remember about the times together. You know, you can do that when you know this person. Or maybe it's something from your, someone from your neighborhood. Maybe it's someone from your congregation. I mean, you have this, you have this connection. This bond. Yes, you do. And you, and so what I want to say is please don't wait until the end. You know, when someone receives a challenging diagnosis. And then when it becomes clear, it's terminal. Mm -hmm. And now the focus is on comfort care rather than cure. Way too often, read the literature, it's heartbreaking. Um, friends begin to die off. <laughs> friends begin to die off. I, I just realized what I just said, you know? That's crazy. Yes. It's like, this is when this person needs you 
to affirm who they are and their place in your mind and in your heart. Do you have to stay long? No, you don't have to stay long. Their energy might not permit you to stay long or for them to want you to stay long. But don't abandon them. When you read, so many individuals say, oh, I feel abandoned. I'm isolated. No one comes anymore. No one calls. No one checks up. No one checks in. No one loves me. That's the bottom. No one loves me. No one cares. I'm already dead to them. Mm -hmm. Right? Wow. Wow. That's deep. Wow. So it, so it doesn't take much. No, it doesn't take much. Stay in touch. Bring music. You heard Tina say she's not much of a singer. I'm sure she sings in the shower or something like that or in the car with the radio. But music, and just to quick go back to that, I don't know how much time we have left, but bedside singing, um, I looked up and there is a Vancouver, and I have no clue how close this is to you, but there is a Vancouver Threshold Choir, a Bowen Island Threshold Choir, and a Quadra Island Campbell River Threshold Choir in your part oh. of Canada. Um, if you don't, you can have threshold singers maybe come, but just music. Sing songs from the person's generation. Sing songs that they grew up with. You know? And if you need to, go. And this is one of my, your backup plans is, have a playlist. You can begin now to put together songs, I have, that you want to be part of a playlist when you're getting closer to the, to the end. end. Yes, yes. To the so end of the music, beginning. Music has been called medicine. There's so much research on the benefits, the health benefits, the emotional benefits, on and on of music. Bring music. Even if you aren't going to sing, bring music. That's beautiful. Um, I would say to anybody, if you don't know what to say, you don't need to say anything. Just That's bring right. music and touch. Touch mm -hmm. is the most wonderful thing. Hold their hand, hold their arm, what, whatever. It's just you're, you're there, you're present, you're with them. Mm -hmm. And I would, I would add as you do that, um, I know in one of the one of the suggestions hospice gives us is to put our hand underneath so that they can pull theirs away. Um, we need to be careful of pressure. We need to be careful of thinning of skin. What might feel easy for us maybe is just a little too much for them. Mm -hmm. um, it may be, could I hold your hand? Or does this feel all right? Or does this feel all right? Yes, yes. Um, yes, touch is um, something, there's something in psychology called touch hunger. And there was, there was this woman um, who's now gone, who was on hospice, off hospice and back on hospice. So I and we sang to her probably for most of a year. When, when I would come, of course, see, I'm like this. Even That's another thing. Please, folks, don't bring your, your gloomy expression. You know, life, yes, life is slipping away. But gosh, life is such a joy to be here. And, and, and the miracle of life. <laughs> um, but so I go in like this all the time. This is who I am. I am joy when I go. And this woman would grab the front of my shirt and pull me down and give me a hug or give me a kiss, you know? And, and she'd say, I always feel so much better when you're here. I almost feel so much better when you're here. And I would suggest that's probably true, likely true 
always true of anybody you visit. Yeah. Because you were there. You made the time in your schedule to be there. They don't have an option. No. They don't have an option. They're they're just they are where they are right now. They are where they are. You have the choice. May I encourage you to make the choice to be there? Um, what kind of final message would you like to give the listeners? Wow. You've had so many good tips and tricks. This is what several people said to me um, when I was interviewing. They said, think of the other person, not yourself. It isn't, oh, I'm too busy, or I don't know what to do, or I don't know what to say. That's all about you. Right. Put the focus on the other person. What can I do to help the other what person? Can I do, what can I do to journey with them? on this path that's going to take them over the rainbow. <laughs> and as you said before, it may be coming and sitting in quiet. Even if someone is still, um, st still alert and when someone isn't any longer. They can feel you just like you can feel someone in a room. They can feel your presence. Talk to them. Hi, Joe. This is Linda. I just came. <sighs> I just came to be with you. In this time. And sit in the silence. Yes, it's, it's great energy. Well, thank you. That was a beautiful ending, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> you know, it's, it's such a sad thing. And I think that's what scares everybody. It's, it's sadness and fear. And I, I think you just have to you know, throw all that stuff to the side and go in for the purpose of being there for the person. And yeah, it's beautiful. Very, very lovely. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. It's a precious time. Yes. And when they go, they'll understand just how precious it is. Absolutely. Well, life is precious. And we learned that in many ways just at this past week. My goodness. Mm -hmm. So many people with COVID and so many issues still with the second or the other virus that's variant or, or, or the condo that collapsed or, I mean, the list, the list, we could go on and on and on, right? So um, I hope, you know, I thank you so very much, Linda, for your courage and bravery to bring you to doing this lovely work that you do, it's, it's absolutely wonderful. And I hope our listeners can appreciate it as much as I have. It's, it's actually my joy to be there at bedside. Yes, it's beautiful. Thank it's you. A blessing. It's a blessing to me. Yes. It may be a blessing to the person in the bed. It's also a blessing to me. And it, and it should be a blessing to all those that choose to be there as well. That's right. That's correct. Yeah. I'd agree with well, that. Well, thank you. Thank you so very, very much, Linda, for your time and, and your tips and tricks for this show today. Wow. It's full of it. And it's made my heart just want to come out. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. Thank you. So, Every All our listeners, please take a moment and subscribe to our channel and click on that bell that's down here somewhere. And, you know, click the bell. I always sing our quick little song. Um, 
with the with the bell ring my bell ring my bell down there somewhere where the subscribe button is no one is superman so expect the unexpected because that's really what this pandemic did to all of us we had to expect the unexpected truly truly we sure did and everyone if you're thinking of someone special right now in your mind please pick up the phone or FaceTime them or Zoom them or Skype them or whatever it is and tell them how much you love and care about them today because you don't know what tomorrow may bring. And stay tuned for our next podcast and live streams on our YouTube channel and more great, great conversations just like Linda. Thank you, Linda, for your beautiful work that you do and sharing your time with all of us and our listeners at your Backup Plan Tribe. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tina. Auf Wiedersehen. So stay tuned for our next podcast. I hope that we've inspired you and didn't make you too sad and motivated you to start thinking about your unique plan. Our one-year anniversary shows that our listeners are essential to our show, so thank you very, very much. Thank you for sharing your time with us and watching. I love each and every one of you. And I always end with Carol Burnett because I know Linda knows who Carol Burnett was. She is fab, such a fantastic lady. Uh, maybe one day, maybe from our YouTube channel here, we can get to meet her. I would, I would love to do that. So thank you, Carol Burnett, for, for your for your work in the world, that's for sure. I'm so glad we had this time together just to have a laugh or sing a song. Seems we just get started and before you know it comes a time we have to say so long. Yep. So long everyone. Uh, it was nice to have you stay safe, stay cool if you're somewhere hot and um, till next time, lots of love. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you.